how do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Good morning. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net. And I have a very special guest today. We were just chatting before we went to record. Her name is Dr. Denise. And I found Dr. Denise on my favorite site called podmatch.com. Um, I'm not on the in the dating scene, but I sure am in the connection <laughs> with other individuals who can share their, their journey and um, maybe give some of us just a little bit more hope that there is kindness and opportunities out in this world. Um, as we were talking prior to coming on, uh, I mentioned to Denise, I saw something in her bio and I wanted to really talk about it. And she founded an organization called the Own Your Amazing Movement. Wow. I mean, like, don't we all want something amazing in our life? And uh, for those of us who say, you know, I've never owned anything in my life. Well, doesn't it begin with ourselves, Dr. Denise? Absolutely. <laughs> so what got you to developing an organization that, um, even without knowing about it, just knowing what the title says, it's heartwarming. It says, hey, you know, there's got to be something good about me. So Absolutely. So um, my journey with that starts with my own um, need for self-discovery and self-esteem. Um, self uh, I was at a point in my life where uh, I say on paper, I look good, right? I had the, the degrees and the, the job and I had a, a fabulous looking life. But on the inside, I still struggled with my own sense of self. Was I good enough? Was I smart enough? Was I pretty enough? Was I thin enough? Was I, was I enough, right? And so I was on this journey of self-discovery and self-esteem. And so I was reading all kinds of books and I uh, was attending different workshops. So about, it's been about six to seven years now, I attended a workshop uh, retreat in Dallas, Texas. So the night before the retreat, me and one of the other attendees, we went out to dinner and just getting to know one another, just sharing our stories and all that good stuff. So the next day was the official retreat. And so um, on that day, the facilitator invited each person to come to the front of the room to get coached, basically, okay. right? And so I'm sitting in the audience watching different people go up there. And a lot of people are very emotional. They're crying as they're telling their story, but I'm sitting in the audience thinking like, okay, why, are the, you know, why are these people crying, you know, but okay, whatever. <laughs> so then it's my turn. I tell you, as soon as I sat down in the chair, I started crying. <laughs> it was called the oh crying God. chair. That's why. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, why am I crying? And so the facilitator, she said like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I don't have a handle on my life. I know I have success. I know it, but on the inside, I still don't feel, I feel like there's something missing. I don't feel fulfilled. And so the person who I had gone out to dinner the night before, she raised her hand 
And she said, I know what's going on with you. But I'm thinking like, we just met. <laughs> you know, really, you don't really know me, you know? Like, you know, these are all things that are going through my head. Sure, and so, sure. but I looked at her and I just said, oh, really? I said, what's going on with me? She said, I met you yesterday. She said, you're smart. You're talented. You're brilliant. You're all these wonderful things. She said, but you don't own it. She uh-huh. said, you need to own you're amazing and, and stop playing small. I was like, oh my God, that's it. <laughs> that's it. People in the room were like, oh, I just got goosebumps. And a couple of people were crying. It was like, like they felt it. It was right. just like, whoa. I said, you're absolutely right. Because there still was a part of me who didn't own that I was amazing, who didn't own I was good enough who didn't own that I was smart enough, who didn't own that I was whatever, all these things I was, all these things I said I wasn't. She's like, no, you need to own it. You need to embrace who you are. And so that's how the movement got started. She really helped me to language what I had been feeling and what I knew to be true. And not only for me, but so many other people. Oh, I mean. So that's how the movement got started. It's like, I want people to own who they are. I say the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. It's who we are. But oftentimes we have we hide behind different our masks. We hide behind people pleasing. We hide behind all these things because we don't feel that we're enough about we, we don't feel like who we are is enough. You know, I'm so glad that we started out with this message because mm. so many of us, and I don't care what state you were born in, what city, how much money your family had or didn't have. We all have good qualities inside of ourselves. And sometimes the people around us, you know, have a way of talking to us and we, we suppress those good things because we, we interpret their words in a certain way. And we think, Oh, I'm not good enough. Okay. Um, and one example I'll give, uh, my grandfather, my father, my brothers, they're, they were writers. They still are. I mean, my brothers are anyways. Um, and every time I would try to write, my father would look at it and he'd go, yeah, you know, leave the writing to the men. And as a young kid, you know, it was like, okay. But as I got older, And I was writing for either classes or for an organization or for work. Other people around me were telling me that I had some really good quality there. But what would I say? Well, no, not really. You know, if my father, my brothers wrote for you, you'd just be, you know, ecstatic. And it wasn't until I left corporate America and I decided to go out on my own that I realized I really can write. I can come up with the words. And if I can't, you know what? That's okay because I can then go searching for it. But it took me almost my whole life to get there. And it's never too late to get there. I can still relate to that story. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I wrote a book. uh, It's been about three or four years ago. And I had no intentions of writing a book. But when I started, first started the movement, I hired a coach. 
And she was like, oh, you need to write a book. And I said, not me. I'm not a writer. I can't write a book. Uh. And she was like, well, of course you can. I was like, no, I can't. Because what she didn't know was what was playing in my mind was that my high school English teacher, my senior year, my high school English teacher told me I was one of the worst writers he had ever had. Oh, my gosh. Well, then he did a very yeah. poor job in helping you write. But that was plaguing me. And so writing has always been a challenge for me. Always. I'm a better talker than I am a writer. Even to this day, even in school, I would ha- always have to give myself extra time on reports and papers because it was a, it's a struggle for me. Sure. And so the little bit of confidence I had, he just crushed it, right? Right. And right. so I went on to college, you know, again, had to write and write and write. And so lo and behold, I decided to go get a PhD. Was not thinking, I got to write a dissertation. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> what was I thinking? And so I really struggled with that. But thank God I had a great, uh, per, you know, people on my team, my chair department, all sure. those kind of people who helped me get through that. So now it came, I was like, I'm never writing anything ever again. So when that coach said, you need to write a book, I was like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not writing a book. It's not happening. And so she said to me, this is what she got. She said, well, what if you could write something that by sharing your story that you can help someone else? She got me right there in the heart. I was like, oh, okay, I'll write it, (laughs) you know? And so even with writing it, uh, I'm proud to say my book got nominated for an award, right? And so, but the nomination came from the people saw that I was trying to make a difference. And I was trying to make an impact right. with my story. So it wasn't so much the writing, because I believe there are people who are really gifted in writing, just like I believe there are people gifted in singing, all of those things. I sure. think there are truly people who are gifted in writing. But for those of us who aren't gifted, so to speak, we still can tell our story. Right. We, we still can write the book. We can still write whatever and get our stories told, because that's what's making the difference. Not the writing so much, but the fact I was able to tell my story and people were able to be impacted by that. So I'm excited to say that, yeah. And, and, and the thing, you know, we, we carry with us the opinions, the thoughts of other people. Absolutely. And if we're not careful. If we're not careful, we don't work through it. It will stop us in our tracks from really making the impact and the difference we were meant to make. Well, I'm hoping our listeners heard that because, you know, when I first started podcasting about eight years ago, Hmm. somebody said to me, why are you doing it? Okay. You open up yourself up, you share deep, dark secrets. And I said, but they're not secrets. They're part of me. Okay. And in the right circumstances, if you don't know those secrets, you could judge me differently. And the reality of it is, is that I'm hurting our relationship if I'm not vulnerable and open up. And I even remember my mother once saying to me, you know, Karen, you're just too public. And I said, but I'm helping other people, but I'm helping myself because when I relate that story, I'm finding the good in it, but I'm releasing the bad toxins in it. And so you are correct. When you go to write a book, when you go to give a speech, write a song, sing a song, whatever, um, if it helps you, mm-hmm. I guarantee you it's helping at least one other person 
who's hearing it. So definitely writing my story, you know, was able to help me to understand, you know, my story, the journey. Um, and I also say that it, when it came down to, um, I, hired, I hired a book coach to help me through the process and we had finished everything. It was time to put it out there. I was like, I can't put it out there. No way, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, people ask, often ask me, what's your biggest um, success, your biggest thing about the book, blah, blah, blah. I said, the biggest win is that I did it. Right. That I didn't allow fear to stop me because there are so many other times in my life I allow fear to stop me. And so I promised myself, I said, this time you're not going to let fear stop you. You did in the past with certain things that I didn't go for that I knew I could. I knew I could do it, but I let fear, you know, creep in and say, no, you can't, you can't do it. Remember what happened last time? But I said, no, the win for me is that I put the book out there and that I didn't let fear stop me from moving forward. And, you know, we all have fears, yes. you know, and so many of us think uh, it's just me, you know, um, an example I'll give you is I'm terrified of bridges. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's a low, short bridge, yeah, I can get across it. But if it's a high panoramic bridge, yeah. miles before I get to it, I'm already in a cold sweat. Right. And if I can start talking myself through what's on the other side, I can, I can get over it. In fact, sometimes I'll go, oh, I just went over that bridge. Yeah. But if I think about why I don't want to go over it, yeah. sometimes I'll stop right before on the side of the road and I'll be sitting there in a cold sweat. It's like, I can't turn around. I've got to go forward. Um, sure, I could call 911 and maybe some nice policeman would get me across the bridge. Right. But what happens next week when I have to go across it? And so yeah. one of the things that I've learned with the coaches that I've worked with is we have to see what's on the other side of the fear. And unless we do that, we're going to harbor it and not be able to go forward. And I will agree. There are still times that um, I still pull over to the side of the road mm -hmm. and I can lose myself there for 30 minutes or more while I try to keep convincing myself it's okay hey what's on the other side once it clicks in i gotta get moving <laughs> i love that because i think you said the key is remembering what's on the other side right and that's why i always tell people when i'm coaching them like what's your you know we hear it all the time what's your biggest why or what's your destiny where, where are you headed we start there like where are you going you gotta you have to paint a vivid picture of that that, that pulls you across those bridges. It pulls you across whatever, right? And so um, I love to travel, but I hate to fly. Okay. I, I, I don't like it. And so what gets me through is understanding, well, what's waiting for me once I get off of this airplane at, the, at my destination? And so recently um, I, I went to Paris for the first time, went to Europe for the first time, right? Oh. And so, but that was hours. Yes. Yeah. on an airplane and I, and I couldn't let my mind go there. I couldn't think I'm flying for hours in an airplane over water, over mountains. I couldn't think about that. What I thought about like, oh, what is it gonna be like once I get there? I had to do that. Years ago, uh, I traveled to um, Tokyo, Japan. It was a 10 hour flight from Maryland to Tokyo. I mean, I'm sorry, from San Francisco to Tokyo, 10 straight hours 
And you know, on some of those big planes, they have like, it show you on the map where you are, what right. you're flying. I could not look at that. I couldn't. Yeah. I, I knew that if I did, it would cause me a lot of anxiety and panic. Sure. And it was nowhere for me to go. <laughs> exactly. Yep. It was nowhere for me to go. Right. And so I'm planning my vacation. I go on vacation a couple of months. Again, a 13 hour flight. And so what I've been telling myself is think about the destination. Think about what's waiting for you on the other side. Because I say, if you don't get on the plane and go, you're not going to be able to experience this thing you want to experience. So um, that's what I have to do when my fears come up. I have to think like, what's on the other side for me? What's going to get me excited? And I have to train my mind to stay there so I can get over the bridge. I can fly hours without having a panic attack. And so again, for our listeners, you know, you and I, we don't have any special powers to do this. Okay. But it's something that is sort of part of our learned behavior. Okay. It doesn't necessarily take the fear away, but it softens that fear. It says, okay, yeah, my hands are still sweaty. Um, I'm breathing a little heavier right now, but oh, I'm going to see Paris. The other side is this beautiful city in this wonderful country. And if I don't look at that, then all I can look at is where I am right now. Oh, well, yeah, it may be pretty outside my window, yeah. but I can see that anytime. But now I have the opportunity to see what's somewhere else. Um, It's interesting that you brought that up because I think a lot of us have that fear of flying. And um, in the mid nineties, my youngest was five or six years old. And I got this great opportunity to work IT and I was going to travel every other week. And they told me all these wonderful places I was gonna go and work. Mm -hmm. And number one, I didn't wanna leave him behind, but at the same time, it was like, you know, if you have a two-week station there, we'll bring your family to you over the weekend. And I, that's what made it for me. It was like, this is wonderful because I'm going to be in Orange County. So now we could go to Disneyland. Oh, I'm going to be in Toronto and he loves baseball. I'll take him to a Blue Jays game. And every time I got on the plane, that's that was it. You know, I get to see my family in seven days. And it's going to be a vacation for two. Mm-hmm. It's strange. So once I stopped traveling like that and I had to go back home to see my parents, I was freaking out mm. the whole airplane ride. It was like, I, I couldn't see anything. Okay. Um, and I wasn't going to see my parents under happy circumstances. My father was ill. So I didn't want to think about, oh, I'm going to get be in the hospital with them. Yeah. But it wasn't until my flight home that I could do that again. Uh, I'm going to be with my husband and my son. So does it work every time? No. But if you know why it's not working, that's, you know, you gained a lot of knowledge there. So tell me about this foundation though. Okay. Not only are you doing this as a coach, but how do people join or do they join? People do join. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so it's, it's, I call it a movement because 
Um, I believe in a movement is about making a shift. Okay. You know, it's about making um, a transformation. And so, and, and, it's, and it's really about moving towards something better. Okay. So that's why I added the movement to it. It's like, I need people moving towards an amazing life. I need people moving towards living an authentic life, like really living who they are. Because I believe we're living in a time that that's not the case. I believe that we're living in a time where people are stagnant. They're stuck. Right. They're fearful. Um, they want to change, but they're not quite sure how to do it. And so they stay where they are. You know, I read a statistic that 80, 80, at least 80% of people hate their jobs. Oh, I'm sure. You know I mean? So I'm here to say you can move towards fulfillment in your career. You know, you don't have to stay stuck in a job you hate. Get one you love. Get one you're excited about or create a business, whatever it may be, but get moving, <laughs> get going. You know, it's time, you know, time is at hand. It's time to move and it's time to own who you are, own your life, create a life you love. So that's the movement part is that a lot of times we even know what to do, but we don't do it. We don't take action. Right. Action is that's movement. You have to do something. And one of my things I tell my people all the time, you know, it's like eating an elephant. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so we celebrate the small wins. Again, uh, sometimes, you know, we, we let other people measure what it looks like to be successful or how to move forward. Again, for me writing a book, some people write a book, it's like, you know, my goal is to have a million copies sold. Well, that was, mine was just to put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you get to decide, you get to define for yourself. What does that look like? And so the movement is about you moving towards your amazing life however you choose to define it. So I always start with people like, how do you define you for you? Not how do other people define you, not how other people define success for you, but how do you define it for you? And a lot of times, the first question I ask, I'll ask people, well, who are you? And when I tell you, that is one of the most difficult questions Absolutely. that people have to answer. Because we have not been trained, we have not been um, taught to look at ourselves for ourselves. You know, I was, a, I was a big time people pleaser. I made decisions for my life based on, well, what do you think? Or well, how do you think I should do this? Or what, where should I go to school? What kind of job should I have? And not until I thought like, well, what do I want? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm asking everybody about my life except for me because we have all these messages about who we should be, who we shouldn't be, what I should look like, what I should drive, where I should go to school, all of this. And then, but, and then we wonder why we're not happy. You know, the, I feel like we're clones right now, Dr. <laughs> Denise, because <clears throat> my whole life up until I was about 60, mm -hmm. um, it was about people pleasing because the message I got from my mother was if you make somebody happy, you're going to be happy. So first, as a child, you're making your mom and dad happy. You're trying not to do anything wrong so that they're at least happy with you. And if your brothers get in trouble, you know, you're the princess. Um, but I still wasn't happy because what I wanted from them, I was afraid to ask for because I was trying to keep them happy. And that didn't even 
hit me until I was out of the house, married with my own kids, you know, and then you get married. Well, got to keep your husband happy and please keep your kids happy because then they won't be yelling and screaming in public and all these things. And um, when I was at the end of the road with corporate America, again, I was trying to make everybody at the college level happy with me and um, or happy, I should say. And I realized one day I was in the car with my son and he says to me, mom, you're depressed. And I said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. He says, I don't remember the last time you smiled, mom. I don't remember the last time you did anything for yourself. Now, my son was about 20 years old at the time. He's high functioning autistic. So emotions were not always, he never noticed it in other people, but all of a sudden he's noticing it in me. And I thought, if he can notice it, he's probably right. And then I started crying in the car, just could not stop. And he goes, see, I knew I was right. And within about a month, I left corporate America. I loved my job. I hated the culture. And that's where the difference was because I didn't mind going to do my job. But then when I would look around me during the day, I saw all this negativity around me and it just ate through me. So what happened when I left, I decided it's time to make me happy. And when I said it to my husband and my son, they looked at me and they said, yeah, that doesn't mean, you know, you have to say, what do you want for dinner? And then you cook it and you don't even want it because you don't like it. So it's those little things. And yeah, do I sometimes go out of my way to make somebody else happy? But I know what I'm doing at the time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yes. So many women um, put others before themselves. Um, they don't even know what they want for dinner, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the self-care, we're not a priority on our self-care list. We take care of everyone else. I have a real quick story. One of my clients who's happened to be a really good friend of mine, um, she had attended one of my workshops and we got to the piece where we talked about self-care. And I was like, what is it that you want to do for yourself? And she's married with two children. Her kids were a little bit younger than what they are right now. And so she said, I just want to check into a hotel, order room service, take a hot bath and go to bed. <laughs> I, I can understand that you one. Know? And I said, well, do that. You do so much for your family, your work, your church, everything. Do that, right? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And so everyone like, do it, do it, do it, right? <laughs> and I said, you have to, she said, well, I need, I go talk to my husband because, you know, he has to watch the kids. Absolutely. So um, I said, but you have to promise that you're going to do it at some point. She said, okay. So later on that evening, I get a phone call from her husband because again, we're good friends. And so he asked me, he said, did you tell my wife to go check into a hotel, um, you know, for the eat for the night? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he said, thank you. Thank you. He said, I have been telling her to take some time for herself. Mm 
He said, thank you. He said, because I know when she comes back, she's going to be a better wife and a better mother. We were just like, whoa. Yeah. And so she's been doing that since. (laughs) And, you know, I know as, as a female, as a wife, so many times we think we're going to get a negative reaction from our partner. And so we put all that on him. Um, and I know I did it too. Uh, I would say, yeah, but you know, if that costs me a hundred dollars, maybe that's a hundred dollars that my husband and I could go to a play or we could go out to dinner. Cause again, I was still trying to make him happy. And sometimes you have to sit down with that partner and just say, Hey, this is what I need to do for myself. When I realized that I could, I realized I could because like many men, my husband loves toys. Now he'll usually say to me, oh, I saw this and I really would like (laughs) it, you know, and whatever. And I'll just say, well, if you really like it, you know, if if you think you can afford it, buy it. Yeah. And he buys it. Yeah. But me, you know, it's like, well, I know I should go get my hair done, but I'll put it off two more weeks. And he'll look at me and go, why do you do that? And so have those conversations because it only can make your union stronger. Um, And I say also listen to our kids, those of us who have children, because our children see our emotions much faster than we do. And if you're single, I'm single again. My husband passed away many years ago. And so, and I don't have children. But I still find myself people pleasing with friends and family. Yeah, of course. So, or even um, when I worked a job, you know, now I own my own company. So, you know, (laughs) but at the time I felt like I needed to stay late. I felt like I needed, especially since I was single, I didn't have the excuse of, hey, I got to get home to the kids or husband. But I realized I still was neglecting my own self-care. Right. (laughs) Whether whether you're single or married, I, I still need to take care of me. And so, so what, regardless of the status, you're married, single, whatever, with kids, without kids, self-care is so important. But as women, a lot of times we've been saying, take care of everyone else first. And if you have time for yourself, then go take care of yourself. But what's the old cliche? You can't give from an empty wagon. You're right. And you find a lot of women, a lot of people I, I know who are bitter, who are tired, who are resentful because they've been giving, giving, and giving, but not have taken the time to replenish. So I'm big on self-care now. Um, I, I, I give a lot, you know, in coaching and working and family, um, but I've learned, learned to balance that. I'll be like, I got to shut it down. I'm going on vacation. I'm going to just, you know, be quiet for the, I'm going to turn my phone off. All those things I need to do for my own self-care. Well, and it's interesting because I saw my own mother as a giver. I didn't realize the time she took for herself, which she did. But I didn't learn about them until the last two months of her life. She um, had a stroke. I went and moved in with her to help take care of her. And we did a lot, a lot of soul searching in those two months. And one of the things she said to me was, you need to take care of yourself like I took care of me. I said, well, how did you do that, mom? She said, 
you know, I know you always saw me baking, cooking, sewing. When I even when she had a full time job, she was baking for somebody, sewing for somebody. And she said, but you didn't see when I went into the bathroom for a half hour, 45 minutes that I took a bubble bath and I read a magazine that was full of trash. And I would say, <laughs> really, where's that magazine? And she said, you know what? I'd buy one a month. And I knew that whenever I needed that time. And she said, and there were days I've neglected myself. She mm -hmm. said, now tell me, when was the last time you took a bubble bath or went into your bedroom and closed the door, listened to music, read a book, or just took a nap? And I said, well, only if I don't feel well. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, that's got to stop. And here I was nursing her. You know, and she's telling me that I need to take that break. And that's where I learned to do it. I would turn over to one of her caregivers and I would say, I'm going for a walk right now. Yeah. I'll be back. Yeah. As hard as it is, it is so refreshing. I have a I have a story where again I was working a lot, giving a lot, you know, involved with so many different things. And someone, one of my friends, like, oh, you should. Um, get a monthly massage. She said, I, I, I give, you know, go get massages as a way of self-care, <clears throat> relieving stress. I was like, absolutely. So I signed up for the program that, you know, where you get monthly massages and if you don't use them, they just roll over. Okay. Which is great for me. Right. It was awesome. So one day, one day I went in there and they were like, uh, Denise, do you realize you have 10 sessions wow. you haven't used mm. and I was like I've been too stressed to come get them oh, oh, oh. <laughs> good one Is it <laughs> they were like oh my god oh my god yeah but it was so true and so they were like you have got to stop that and I was like I know and so now I'm, I'm much better with it um, because I would always say, I'll, I'll book the next one. I'll call and book the next one, but I never called. Of course. And I never called because, oh, I kept, I kept putting it off because it was, I, I wasn't a priority. And so now it was like, no, from now on, you have to book the next one before you leave here. And I was like, that, that's what works now. I was like, no, I have to book the next one because I'm top of mind. I'm feeling great. And I need to make this apart. I was rearranging my life to meet other people's demands on my time instead of saying, no, this is when I'm going to do this for me and everything else can be, can line up with that. So yeah, well, it was ridiculous. And, <laughs> I can, I can totally relate to that. And, you know, I also know that um, sometimes we think we're doing the right thing for ourselves because, um, oh, I love what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing two recordings a day, I'm going to do four recordings a day. And then when somebody calls me, oh, I'll, I'll throw in a fifth. And I was doing that up until March. And in the back of my mind, I love what I'm doing. And I right. do. But yeah. in between recordings, I can be sitting here in my studio thinking, I can't believe I have another one coming up. 
But once it starts, I'm ecstatic. I'm happy. Right. But it took another coach who sat with me in just a Zoom conversation, no recording or anything. And he said, Karen, if you have those thoughts in between your recordings, you're doing too much. And I said, oh, no. I, you know, usually by the last one, I'm just like, you know, I'm high on something. And he <laughs> says to me, no. He says, I want you to make me a promise. He said, I want you to scale back. So I did a little bit in April. I started to a little bit in May. And then I looked at June and I was like, I just kept moving everybody to June. It was like, uh, I have no time to breathe. So I wrote very nice letters to everybody. And I said, look, at, I need to space this out. And if it doesn't work for you, I apologize. You can contact me at a future date. I thought I was going to get a lot of angry people. I had, I think about 70 book for June. And wait, wait a I, minute, how many? 70. 70. Yeah. Whoa. And I love doing it. But when I realized that it comes six, seven o'clock at night, I haven't made dinner yet, even for myself, let alone my husband. Okay. Um, wow. It's like, what am I doing? But I only had one person who got angry. All the others was like, hey, we get it, you know, and it was like, really, you know, I almost wanted to thank them so much by saying, okay, I'll do you all in June. <laughs> but we, we set expectations on ourselves. We put it out there to the universe and the universe says, okay, Karen is at my beck and call. And you have to finally tell the universe, no. And if somebody doesn't like it, all I have to do is say, I'm doing this, you know, because I have to. And do you want to be that podcast that I do that comes out terrible right. because I'm doing too much? But we all have to think about that because sometimes you're going to lose somebody along the way. And, and, and it has to be okay. I've, I've made it okay. I win some, I lose some. <laughs> right. Such is life, right? Yeah, exactly. But but we have to take care of ourselves so that we can show up, you know, powerfully in the spaces that we're showing up. Because there was a time I was so burned out um, that I felt like I was really doing a disservice to myself and to and to the people I claim I want to serve so badly. Yeah. But I wasn't showing up uh, powerfully. I wasn't authentic. I wasn't focused. I wasn't like really in tune. And so I really was doing them a disservice because I wasn't showing up the way I know I could show up. And so um, I'm very mindful about getting my rest. You know, this morning I knew I was coming on. I was like, let me get up. Let me do the things I need to do. I did my meditation. I got quiet uh, because I, I want to show up in a powerful way for those things. But yes, I've learned how to space things out, look at my calendar and be like, that doesn't work for me. Uh, because there was a time where I was completely burned out, completely, uh, to the point where, where I just wanted to shut all of it down. And so that was probably last year. And that's when I really said, I can never let myself get to that point where I let my self-care go, where I'm so depleted. And so um, I, I'm just determined not to ever get to that point again. 
Well, in you know, again, some of us believe that we have to be so busy because that's what the world expects of us. Yeah. And I will tell you, since the pandemic, uh, one of the things I've learned is that we all interpret what busy is. Mm -hmm. And I have some friends who do not work out of the house. Mm -hmm. They, I'm not sure what they do all day long, but they are busy. They're doing mm -hmm. something. And when they tell me they're busy, it's like, okay, but you're making those choices. So, you know, when you make the choices, you either have to live with them or you have to redefine them. And um, thank goodness for Eric, my coach, who said, hey, Karen, look at your calendar and figure out a better way. And I said, you know, you're not supposed to tell me what to do. He said, no, I'm not telling you how to do it. He said, but I can see it in you. You need to make some changes. And last week, I said to him, well, this is what I did. And he, he said the same thing you did. 70, and I said, yeah, somebody would ask for 10 o'clock in the morning and somebody would ask for two o'clock in the afternoon. And I was just filling in times and not paying attention, even though it was in black and white on my calendar. So, so Denise, can you tell us, you know, how can people find you? Because your movement is just amazing. <laughs> So the best way to find me is at, on my website. It's ownyouramazingnow.com. Again, ownyouramazingnow.com. <laughs> Don't wait. Do it now. It's time. And you can also find me on social media, Facebook, um, at Dr. Denise, on Your Amazing. Um, I, I, come, I go on there every week. I do a thing called Think About It Thursday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where it's just a few minutes where I come and give you something to think about. <laughs> in terms of your life, how are you showing up for yourself? How are you showing up in the world? Just something to kind of get people to think about, but also to take some action. I'm really big about, um, you gotta take some type of action um, that's gonna move you forward. And here's the thing I understand is like, we all really want a, an amazing life. And sometimes we don't think we deserve it. We don't think we can have it, but I'm here to say we can. It's just a matter of us deciding that I want a life that I enjoy. I want a life that I'm excited about. I want a life that uh, fills me up, you know? And so let me get about doing that. And so that's what the movement is all about. It's really, you owning your amazing, your amazing life, your amazing self, your amazing relationships, whatever that looks like for you, own it, possess it, take hold of it because it's there for the taking. I love it. Well, we're going to put all this in the show notes. So for those okay. of you who are listening and you said, what was that website again? How can I find her on Facebook? I will give you all those links in the show notes. Feel free to follow Dr. Denise. I'll tell you, um, I'm feeling amazing right now. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I like I said, I looked outside before and we have black clouds, it's gonna storm. And usually when I see that, my mood gets, you know, a little dark, but yeah. no, you brightened oh. it up. So I wanna thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> Again, we'll have you on in the near future and have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.